I want my children to understand. That's something I want this church to understand. That's something I want to understand better myself. I think it's so foundational in regards to, in regards to who we are as a people. But tonight, we're not going to be talking about the love of God. Um, that's an awkward statement. But that's, we're going to talk about something a little bit different than that. I want to talk about making God proud. I think about my own parents. And my parents are probably my biggest fans when it comes to preaching. My mother thinks I'm the world's greatest preacher. Uh, she thinks I preach for two hours every time I get in the pulpit, but she still thinks I'm great. Okay, and she'll always tell me, keep it short. Uh, but I like to make my mama proud. I like to make my daddy proud. Brother, don't you like to make your daddy proud? Yeah, I mean, it just... It's so fulfilling. Have we ever considered that there are points in our life where God is proud? To say, that's my son? That's my child? You, you remember in, in the great book of Job, where the, the, the whole situation of the trials that Job goes through, they all come about because God the Father says, out of all the things that He could have said, out of all the people He could have said it about, He said, have you considered my servant Job? Satan didn't bring him up. God did. Some of you are proud of your children and you're proud of your grandchildren and, and we want to celebrate those things and you want to share those stories. And a lot of you had your grandchildren here with you this last week for vacation Bible school and, and you were proud of them and you wanted to tell they're doing this and they're doing that and there were these, these noteworthy things that went on in their life, right? Does it ever occur to us but there are some things that whenever God sees them in our lives, He says, that's something worth everyone stopping and listening and taking note of. There is something special. And Jesus goes out of His way on several occasions to stop everybody and to say something about certain individuals. He didn't always do that. He didn't have to do that. But He did it. And maybe the, maybe the first lesson that we could learn as, as we kind of have as an underlying of our lesson tonight is if Jesus did it, we can do it. If Jesus did it, we ought to do it. To, we take to give honor where honor is due. But you know what? It's good for us to, to step back for every once in a while and say, look at my brother. Look at my sister. Look at their faith. Look at their strength. Look at their sacrifice. Let them be an example. Let them be an inspiration. I want the whole world, but maybe just for a moment, I want the whole church just to take a moment to see what is before us. To see not just that great cloud of witnesses that's existed in generations past, but that great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us this very day. Throughout the life of Jesus, there were several times where He said some things. He said some things about people's sincerity. You remember in John chapter 1 where we 
really are getting into the beginning of the ministry of Jesus. And Jesus finds Himself numbered even amongst the disciples of John. And, and, and when He shows up on the scene, you, you remember what that, that John looked at Him and pointed Him out of the crowd and He said, Behold! Behold! The, the, the Lamb of God! And I often think about what that would look like if we were in the middle of one of our worship services and all of a sudden somebody came in. And I just felt the need to stop everything that we were doing, to stop all the conversation, to stop whatever it was we were in the process of, and said, you need to know who just walked in the door. Right? That's what happened. The Lamb of God, the One who were really here, the One who was all... He just walked in the door. And it began that transference from the disciples of John to the disciples of Jesus that was intended to be a very natural transition as they were all looking for the Messiah. And one of those individuals who came on that day, one of the individuals who was a follower of John the Baptist was Nathaniel. And in verse 47 of John chapter 1, the Bible says that Jesus saw Nathaniel coming and He said of him, Behold... We don't use language like that very often, do we? But, but, but we all understand what it means. Behold, I want you to look. I want you to see who this person is. I want everybody to turn your head and look over here or look over there. Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no guile. Let me tell you about the character of the man who just walked up. Let me tell you about the character of this man, Nathaniel, that quite honestly we don't know much about. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in what He did record, said, let me tell you about Him. He is an Israelite indeed. An Israelite simply meaning one of God's chosen. One of God's special people. If there ever was an Israelite, this is it. Paul described himself as a Hebrew of Hebrews. It means the same thing. An Israelite indeed. Why? Because in Him there is no guile. There is no pretense. There is no putting on a show. There is no hypocrisy. And Nathaniel is a man who is here to serve God. End of story. He is not here for himself. He is not here for some ulterior motive. He is not playing some church game or some society game. He's not about any of that. I want you to see the sincerity that dwells within this man. Brethren, God notices sincerity. Are you sincere? Do we stand here simply saying, I don't have all the answers. I don't always know what to do, but I do know that I'm going to serve God. I do know I'm going to follow God. I do know I'm going to be whatever it is that He wants me to be. That's all that I know to be. God notices sincerity. He saw it in Nathaniel, who He said there was no guile in. Jesus spoke about, about this, uh, this character in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8 when, when He said, Blessed are the pure in heart. The pure in heart. The people who are not jaded have you ever felt jaded? Have you ever known people who were jaded and whose lives and whose eyes were colored by circumstance and situation and you never knew which person you were going to get and they might smile at you one moment and stab you the next? Have you ever known people? He said, that's not what I want you to be. I don't want you to play the game. 
I don't want you just to meet the expectations. I just want you to be here as my humble servant. You see, Nathaniel was a person that before Jesus ever came on the scene, he was already following God. If God's, if God's people were, were, were to follow John the baptizer into the wilderness, that's where Nathaniel was found. If they were to follow Jesus even to the cross, that's where Nathaniel was found. That's sincerity. I don't know what to say besides I'm simply here to follow God. I'm simply here to follow Jesus. I don't have to fool anybody. I can stop trying. I can stop trying to put on that front. But this is this is as simple as it sounds. It's harder than it sounds, isn't it? God notices our sincerity. Friends, God notices faith. Faith that believes. The Hebrew writer said in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. He says if you want to have faith, if you want to have faith that, that even God will notice, if you want to have faith that's going to please God, it's not enough to simply say, I believe in God. That belief has to take us to a point where we will actually lean upon God and trust in God and depend upon God when we can't depend on ourselves. And we're sure to fall if He doesn't catch us. It believes that God actually does something. That God actually will work and has worked in our lives. That He actually is a rewarder of those who seek Him. That's what faith is. That faith that, that is an action we talked about this morning in James 2. You remember in Luke chapter 7 when, when that servant came, came to Jesus and he said, I want you to heal. I want you to heal my servant. But, 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 but he stops Jesus in Luke chapter 7 and verse 7. And he says to him, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But Jesus, you just say the word. You don't have to go to my house. You just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. So Jesus, You just say the Word. You just say the Word, and I know something's going to happen. You don't have to go to my house. And the Bible says that when Jesus heard this, Luke 7 and verse 9, that He marveled at Him. Jesus, the Son of God, marveled at a man. We're supposed to marvel at God, aren't we? We're supposed to marvel at Jesus. But this says Jesus marveled at a man. What was so amazing? His faith. His faith. And Jesus turned and He said to the multitude that was following, I want everyone to see this. Brethren, I want you to notice. I want you to take note because this is going to have an effect on all of our lives. I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if Jesus singled you out to say, I want everybody to see Him. I want everybody to take a look at her. I want you to see the faith that they have. Not even amongst my people. Not even amongst the covenant, the special people have I ever seen faith like this. Here's a man who knows what faith is. Here's a man who not only believes that I am the Son of God, here is a man who believes that I am a rewarder of those who seek me. 
He says, you don't even have to go to my house. Can I pray like that? Can I trust like that? Can I lean like that? You want to know what impresses Jesus? Faith that believes. Faith that believes He will act. Faith that believes that He will care for your needs. Isn't that what Matthew 6 and verse 33 says? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And if you do that, all of these things shall be added unto you. What's the context? All of those struggles, God's going to take care of it. The clothes on your back and the roof on your head and the food in your... God's going to take care of those things. God's going to give you what you need. Do you believe that? Can we believe it enough that even when we doubt it, we can press forward? Even when we doubt... though, Have you ever doubted those things? Anybody ever looked for a job? Anybody ever been without a job? Anybody ever had insecurity in your job? And you doubted. You've thought about those things. He says you trust. In the midst of your doubt, you trust in Me. You trust that I have a plan. You trust that I have it. That's the kind of faith that I'm looking for. That's the kind of faith that I reward. Faith that believes He will answer our prayers. James chapter 1 and verses 6 and 7, he tells us, he warns us against being that, that, that double-minded man. He says it's, it's unstable. The person who asks for something but doesn't believe that they're going to but that, 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 excuse me, that doesn't believe that they're going to receive it, he says, you might as well not ask, you're not going to receive it. James 1 verses 6 and 7. The person who prays to God and then trusts that the matter is settled, doesn't mean we shouldn't pray over and over and over again. But it does mean that once we've prayed, we ought to have an understanding that something has happened. Something has happened. I didn't just go through the motions. I didn't just kneel down. I didn't just bow my head. But friends, whenever I speak to God, whenever I say, Amen, something has happened. I need to know that. If I don't know that, I won't pray. If I don't believe that, I won't pray. Not, not, not with any great deal of regularity, I won't. I need, to, I need to know that when I pray, that the God, the Creator of all the universe, has heard and that He cares and that He is acting. Faith that believes that He will come again. We talked about this a few Sunday nights ago, but how little focus we tend to give to the second coming of our Lord. Which is coming back. He's coming back. And that ought to affect and shape everything that we do in our life. Do, you, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that one day He will appear in the air? With all the questions I have about that, do I really believe it? Because that's what impresses Jesus. That's what makes Jesus say, well, wait a minute. I want everyone to take a look at this. Church, I want you to see. I want you to see this man. I want you to see this woman. I want you to learn from them. Imitate them as they are imitating Me. Jesus is impressed with great sincerity, most likely because we live in a world where sincerity is in very short supply. Jesus is impressed with a faith, with a faith that believes, most likely because we live in a world where most people even many people of faith 
don't have faith that actually believes in the action of God. That's what Jesus says. Not even amongst Israel. Friends, Jesus is impressed with those who sacrifice. We have there in Mark chapter 12, this instance when Jesus is there with His disciples and they're in Jerusalem. And the text tells us that as people are coming up to the treasury, which these trumpet-looking things that people would come up to and they would put, they would put their, 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 their money, their, their collection money into basically. The Bible says that Jesus was basically sitting there and He was watching. He was watching what the people were putting in. And I guess He didn't really have to sit there. He could have known either way, but the Bible says He was watching. You ever seen? You ever seen? Sometimes people will roll up their contribution really, really tight. Right? I always fold my check so that no one sees what's on it. And then there are reasons for for doing some of that, right? And we don't want to be prideful or boastful and all, all of those things. But Jesus saw, and he saw many wealthy people who were putting in great sums of money. But 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 the Bible tells us there in Luke chapter twelve that there was a widow who came. A widow. And if you think the word widow has significance today, well, friends, in the first century it had far more significance. Basically someone who was helpless. Basically someone who had nothing. They were incapable of having anything. And the Bible says that this poor widow came up and she put in her two mites. Much like the sister or the brother who puts in, and you, you see the sacrifices that, that, that they make, and, and you're tempted to say, well, well wait a minute, you... You don't need to give. Right? I mean, you know, they've got this high-paying job. They can give. Or they've just come into some money. They, they can give. But, but, but times are hard for you. you. You don't need to worry about this. There's that impulse that we all have, right? That's who this woman was. The, poor, the, the poorest of the poor. And when she did this, Jesus came to her. Jesus called His disciples, come here. And the Bible says there in Mark chapter 12 and verse 43 that He called His disciples to Him and He said to them, I, I, I want you to see this. I don't want you to miss this because there is something worth seeing here. And He said to them, Mark 12 and verse 43, Truly I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all the contributors to the treasury. For they put in out of their surplus. But she, out of her poverty, put in all that she owned and all that she had to live on. Can I ask you a question? Do you think that she starved to death? And I don't believe that for one second. This was a woman of faith. Of a faith that believed those promises of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, I want you to see, I'm not concerned about the amount. I'm not concerned about who can give the most. I'm concerned about the sacrifice. I'm honored by the sacrifice. I'm impressed, and I think it's worth noting, people who actually give something up for the cause of Christ. Friends, the more you have, the harder it is to actually give something up. But when we sacrifice, that gives meaning. David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, you remember 
when he was going to offer, make an offering to God, and Ananias said, "Well, here's 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 the here, here's the oxen, and here's here's the the, the place to do it, and, I, and here's the wood, and here's everything that you need. Go and worship God." And David said, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go and try to worship my God with all of this stuff that you have given to me." And he says there in Second Samuel twenty four twenty four. For I will not make an offering to the Lord my God which costs me nothing. It is the sacrifice, not just of our monies, but it is the sacrifice, the giving of something up that gives honor to God. That's what He wants. The sacrifice. Listen, when Jesus came to the temple to be dedicated... They didn't have much. Remember what they gave? Those two turtle doves? What does that mean? It means they were poor. People, people of wealth were, were, were to bring the fatted calf. They were to bring the, the oxen for, for the dedication. Jesus, I'm not, I don't care about the animal. I don't care about whether you got a, an ox or all you have or two little birds. I don't, I say, what I want is the sacrifice. I want to know, I want to see that you're willing to do without yourself to bring honor and glory to me. It's the sacrifice. And when we sacrifice, God sees it. The world may not see it. The world may never ever know. I would imagine in this room, I know about some people that have sacrificed, but I would imagine that there are some people in this room that I don't even begin to know some of the sacrifices that you've made for the cause of Christ. But God does. God sees those things. He wanted His disciples to see that. He wanted His disciples to know it's not just those wealthy people who were giving out of the surplus. He didn't condemn them. He just said, I want to show you, I want to show you true sacrifice. People who sacrifice of their money. I mean, that's the context here, right? Right? If I'm going to give to the Lord, if I'm going to give in a way that's meaningful, it is to be sacrificial. What does that mean? Why, why, why don't we give many times in, in, in the ways that God would expect us to? We talk about giving that tenth. I mean, to do Bible things in Bible ways. That's, that's the least I can give biblical justification for. So why don't we all do it? Well, because we're buying ourselves stuff. Right? Right? Everybody shake your head. That's right. Okay? At some point I have to, be, I have to say, I'll do without so He can be honored. Those people who have sacrificed family... Your faith can cost you your family. Your faith can cost you relationships. Can't it? Some of you know about that more than, more than we would like to talk about tonight. When Jesus said, do not, do not say that I came to bring peace on earth. That, that faith that ultimately is the one thing that can bring you together in Christ. You want to have a godly marriage? then you need to have God in your marriage. He'll bring you closer together than you've ever been before. Some of you have experienced that. 
Some of you are in the process of seeing how Christ can draw you together. Some of you that are so far apart, it's because God's not the, not the, binding, not, not the thing that binds you together. But that thing which can bring us so close together can also tear us apart if we do not both embrace it. Does God see that? Yeah. God sees the sacrifice, the social standing. It's difficult sometimes. Things that maybe you have to give up because you, you can't participate in the things that everybody else is participating in. And you feel so alone and you feel like, well, I'm, I'm just all out here on this island and everybody else is doing this and, and I can't do that. I can't do that because of God's holiness. I can't do that because I believe in sin, even if they don't. And everybody else says it's time to go to the bar and, and, and do this thing that they call social drinking. I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't go to those places. Will that cost you in society? Yeah, it will. Is that a, a difficult thing to bear? Yeah, it can be. God sees that. God knows that. Jesus loves every single one of us so much that He gave His Son for us. I want to make Him proud. I can't earn that love. I can't, I can't earn that salvation. But I want to be the person. I want to be the person that Jesus says, have you considered my servant? I don't know if Job ever knew that God called him out in that way. I don't know. Imagine eternity Job will know those things. But whether he's learned them since his departure or, or he'll learn them when, when he goes on to be with the Lord for all of eternity, whenever Job finds out, do you think he will forever see his suffering in a different way? He was the one. He was the one. Let me tell you about my son. Let me tell you about my little granddaughter. And this thing that she did, or this thing that he's doing. Let me tell you about his game. Let me tell you about his job. Let me tell you about this. And, and we can go around the room, right? And we could spend hours doing that with our children and our grand... There were times when Jesus said, Hey, everybody stop what you're doing and look right here. That's what I want. That's what I want. That sincerity of faith. That person that simply says, I'm just here to serve God. I'm not here to play games. I'm not here to put on a show. I'm just here to serve God. Wherever that may lead me. If that leads me into the wilderness, then I'm going to the wilderness. If that leads me amongst people that don't want to hear it, then I'm going to people that don't want to hear it. If it leads me to wonder, then that's it. I'm just going where I'm going to be what God wants me to be because He is the Lord and I am His child. He is impressed by faith that believes. Find a way to trust in God. You find some way to trust in Him. Find, find that place of desperation. And if you can't find that place of desperation, you need to seriously reconsider what you're thinking about life. Because friends, this life has more challenges than we're up to meet. Find that place of desperation and trust in God. 
honor your Savior. Not out of the surplus. Not just with your free time. Honor Him by making a sacrifice. Come before your God and say, and say You are worthy and I will give up my own praise to make that point. And you will find your worship and you will find your life transformed. When you take that step from someone who your faith is simply something that blesses you and your faith becomes something that honors God, that's what impressed Jesus. I'm convinced that Jesus is impressed when He looks around this room tonight. Some probably wouldn't think it would be appropriate, but we could go around this room tonight. I could tell you about great faith. I could tell you about sincerity. I could tell you about sacrifice. Would we all look at our own souls? Would we all look at our own walk and say to our Heavenly Father, I want to be what You want me to be. I want to be clay in Your hands. So here am I. Whether that means to come to be baptized and have your sins washed away, whether it comes to repent and ask for forgiveness and strength and wisdom as so many have in recent months, whether it simply means I want to ask You for Your help. Respond to Jesus and change your eternity. That's the invitation tonight. If you have a need, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still. And with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the skies, but His smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sign nor a tear, can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toll He doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, 
not a frown or a cross, but it's blessed if we trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. You can be seated. Miss Janet Fletcher has come forward tonight, and I was thinking about the, the, the thrust of the lesson. I'm impressed. I'm impressed with Janet's heart, and I know God is pleased with her heart, with the sincerity and even the bluntness of some of the things that she has said. She simply comes confessing. She, she, says, she says, I've lied. She said, I, I've lied in order to further myself, and I know that it was sinful. And I've went back and I've made it right, and I just want to be forgiven. She says, I want the strength. I want the strength to fight those urges and to fight that battle. And that's what we're about. We're that body. And every one of us needs to look. Take just a moment. Stop everything that you're doing and just look. That's faith. That's dependence. That's humility. That's Christianity. We are the body of Christ. And Janet, we're so blessed to have you as a part of the body here. Would you bow with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we come to You tonight just so thankful for Your grace and for Your mercy. We're thankful for those good and those honest hearts, Lord, whom there simply is no guile in. We thank You for those hearts that even when they stray are touched, are touched by Your will to the point that we swallow our own pride and we throw ourselves before Your throne of grace and mercy to receive that most precious gift. Lord, we ask that You would forgive Janet. Lord, we ask You would forgive each one of us here tonight who might have strayed from Your will for our lives. Lord, we ask that You would strengthen her. Strengthen her to fight the good fight. To overcome those things of this world that You have promised us. You will help us and allow us to overcome. Help us to be a people who even in the midst of our struggles have that blessed assurance that we walk in Your love and in Your grace. And because of that, we have a great expectation that one day we will all be together in heaven above. Thank You for Janet's example. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Wes, for your message tonight. Thank you all for joining us. Um, we hope you'll grab an announcement sheet as you leave tonight and try to find someone that we can reach out to this week. We've got a lot of important stuff going on. Um, 
As, as the slide indicates, we do have our summer series that he's mentioned already that continues this Wednesday night. We hope you'll bring somebody with you. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, on Sunday night, or there will be a Sunday afternoon service next week, right? So for our Sunday night crowd, important detail, we will have a service at 1 o'clock uh, following the potluck. We hope you'll join us uh, then um, and be safe this week. If you need to take the Lord's Supper, it's been uh, provided in a classroom to your left. You can leave as we close uh, in this last song. Let's stand together and sing, and I hope you'll join us again soon. You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depths of your love? You are beautiful beyond description. Majesty enthroned above. And I stand, I stand in all of you. I stand, I stand in all of you. Holy God, to whom all praise is due, I stand in all of you. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we're again so thankful for this beautiful day. This beautiful day we come here and worship you in truth and in spirit. We're thankful for your Son, Jesus, and the sacrifice he made for us, Father, and the life he lived. Let us be the example that live the example that he lived for us, and may we pattern our lives so that others may see us. Be with us, Father, as we go out this week. Forgive us our sins, protect us, and guide us in the way you want us to live. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen.